Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And may I also say that uh, the sound of that choir is a sound that I have been waiting for since March of last year, and uh, that day has come. And may I also say that I have detected no deterioration in, in, in the sound during that time. So thank you, and thank you, Ruth, as well. Uh, one of the uh, non-biblical but apparently true stories that I often like to tell comes from the author and Baptist, the seminary president, Charles Swindoll, who writes about a man who had all sorts of problems in his relationships and, and struggles in his life. And he, he goes down to the corner bar and he meets his friends and he talks to them and he tells them his problems. And his, his friends listen to him and they, and they support him and they assure him that they are there for him. And so the man feels better and he leaves the bar thankful for his friends, except that, of course, he still has all the same problems and none of the answers. But then the man goes to church and he meets new friends there. And he talks to them and he tells them his problems. And they listen to him and they have answers for him. They tell him exactly what he has done wrong in his life what he needs to do right to fix his relationships, the things that he's doing to make matters even worse, and how he needs to get his act together with his relationships, including his relationship with God or else. And so, Swindoll asked, what does this man learn from these two very different experiences at two very different rails, if you know what I mean? And the answer, according to the Baptist Seminary president, is he learns that his old friends are still better than his new ones. Which takes me back to the often quoted words of the Mahatma Gandhi, who was a Hindu and who led India to independence from British rule and inspired civil rights and religious freedom movements all around the world and yet famously said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians because they are so unlike your Christ. Ouch. Well, that brings us to uh, today's reading from St. Paul's first letter to uh, the ancient church in the Greek city of Corinth, which, uh, just to refresh your memory, was in a word broken in its relationships and in its ministry due to a number of things that I don't have time to get into, or at least you don't have time to get into. Uh, but they come from a number of issues uh, like struggles and divisions and disagreements about certain religious practices uh, to issues of uh, sexual behavior to issues of the, the role of women in the church and the authority of its leaders to uh, settling disputes among members of the Corinthian congregation to uh, the much bigger issues of who you even associate with as a Christian, who is or isn't welcomed into the community of faith, who gets to decide all of that. And in case you haven't noticed, those issues, at least many of them, persist to this very day with variations on the theme, not just in the church, but in the world that we're living in right now. In fact, uh, just the other week, the Southern Baptist Convention uh, elected a new leader in a very contentious vote over a, a number of those things. United Methodist Church is on its way to a major worldwide split right now. And we Lutherans have obviously taken our turn at this on more than one occasion, even as the world needs 
the answers that we have in the message that we proclaim, which you know takes me back to uh, my favorite, though awkwardly phrased, uh, church newsletter announcement when one congregation uh, proclaimed, and I quote, that the Peacemakers Conference has been canceled due to a conflict. <laughs> to which I say, and are they all? But hey, all is not lost in uh, Corinth, and uh, in an effort to be God's guy, God's messenger, for the healing of this church, for the closeness of relationships, Paul writes in this letter, and the portion that you just heard a few moments ago, which we have come to know as 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in which he gives his answers to their problems, and also to many of ours. As we gather here on this week, between Juneteenth on one side of us, and Independence Day on the other side of us. And he paints this picture in that part of the letter. He builds a model. He gives a description of God's design for the church. And he describes it as a human body, which is one unit, and it is made up of many individual parts or members. Now, when I've preached about this before, I've talked about the human body and uh, how we are all one unit, and uh, we are also made up of many individual parts, including more than 200 different bones, 600 muscles, 46 miles of nerves, and how uh, there are about 100,000 neurological messages that are being sent in your body every single second of your life so that we can walk, talk, eat, sleep, drive a car, come to worship, sing in the choir, laugh, love, work, and do all sorts of other things because all of those individual parts are somehow close to each other. They're somehow interconnected to each other and all those systems are, are working together. It's a brilliant analogy. Paul wasn't even a doctor. And it's with that picture and that model that he approaches the conflicts and the divisions and the disagreements in the church by saying to the Corinthians, you are the body of Christ. Which is to say, you are the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears and the voice and the touch of Jesus for the city of Corinth and for the transformation of the world. And the time has come for you to live that way, to act that way, to be the body of Christ that you are. And there is your answer. When you find yourself in a, a disagreement or a relational distance or conflict with somebody, maybe over something that really isn't that big of a deal anyway, or maybe it would be very important to one or both of you, and you want closeness instead of distance and brokenness, all you got to do, it's very easy, all you got to do is act exactly like Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, this guy's got to be kidding. <laughs> Which is to say, 
that being the body of Christ is easier said than done because why? God created us for closeness, but we have fallen away and our nature is to be in conflict with each other. We need to work on closeness. We need to work on being the body of Christ. And I don't think anybody knew that better than St. Paul himself. And so in order to help the Corinthians get what he's saying also, he gets way more specific with them and more personal with them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he says to them that in this body of Christ, with all of its parts and members, there is neither Jew nor Greek. What does that mean? It means that there is no cultural dis distinction, there is no racial distinction, there is no previously religious distinction in the body of Christ. And those were all big issues in the early church. He says there is neither slave nor free, meaning that there is no social distinction. And in the context of the first century world, that was about as radical a statement as you could ever expect anybody to make. He says, we all drink from the same spirit in the body of Christ. And I don't think he was talking about the corner bar either. And then it gets into, you know, all the individual parts and their relationships with each other and says that, you know, one part can't say to the other part, you know, I don't need you because that's not true. The ear can't say because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body because that would make you inferior and there's nobody inferior in the body of Christ. And in fact, he says, you know, when one part of the body suffers, the whole thing suffers, which is why I think when our son tore his meniscus and his ACL on this very same day, he didn't sit, sit around saying, you know, oh, my right leg feels really good. And so you are the body of Christ. That's the answer. You're the eyes, the ears, the hands, the feet, the voice, the touch of Jesus. But just in case the Corinthians got Paul's answer, and still didn't feel better, he keeps writing. And the letter goes on in what you and I have come to know as 1 Corinthians 13, which has come to be known as the love chapter because it's read at a lot of weddings, which is great. But the fact is that it was originally and first intended to bind up which was broken in a conflict in the Corinthian church when he says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, or if I have all the answers and I still don't have love, it's just a bunch of noise to you and to the world. And that I think explains why somebody can get the answers and still not feel better. They can listen to a sermon about all the things they've done wrong, and not be transformed. They can come out of a disagreement or a, a conflict and not have reconciliation. So the question is, you know, what are you going to do with this? How are you going to apply this to your life as a follower of Jesus uh, in the 21st century in the world that we're living in right now uh, today? And the answer to that question is, I don't know because we're all a little bit different. But I do have a few ideas that may at least help get us started along the way, beginning with remembering that our oneness is not based on our level of 
agreement or disagreement about everything. Our oneness is in the person of Jesus. And the last time I checked, that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is really all about. Our oneness is in him. And when you believe in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, well, then you believe that there is no distinction, there's no racial distinction, there's no cultural distinction, there's no social distinction, there's no inferiority in the body of Christ. And if you believe that, I think it's going to knock out a lot of the problems and conflicts and struggles that you experience in your life right here, right now, today. Even though I confess, you know, it's always tempting for me to talk about, you know, the sins of people who sin a little bit differently than I happen to sin. On the other hand, even if your conflict or your disunity is with somebody who happens not to be a Christian, you still get to act and respond basically in the same way because either you are then promoting unity within the body of Christ or you're providing a po positive witness to the world on behalf of the body of Christ. So either way, it's good. Does that mean you can't disagree with somebody about things that may not be that big of a deal or they may be very important? No. Does that mean you can't talk to somebody about their problems, their struggles, and the answers? No. It just means that there's a difference between disagreement and division. It means that I can disagree with somebody and I can still love them. I do it all the time. Okay, I do it some of the time. <laughs> and then some of the time I fail at it. But here's the thing. In the Gospel of John, we are told that Jesus came into this world full of grace and truth. And my take on that is that if there's grace without truth, about my need for God, about who I am, about guidance and direction and counsel and correction, then it kind of makes it sounds like being a Christian means that anything goes. And that's not true. On the other hand, if there's truth about what I've done wrong or what's broken in this world or what I need to, to get it right without grace, then I don't think I feel better. Might even feel worse to be honest with you. But if I put them together, grace and truth, uh, direction, answers, and love, as he did, then what I get is this thing that's called the full gospel. And when I go out with that, then what happens is that the people around us in this world, they start to fall in love with our Christ because they feel the love of his Christians. And they start to experience the power of what good friends and close relationships are all about in the body of Christ with all of its impurities, disagreements, imperfections, flawed leaders, and all the rest, but where we are holy and washed and one in him, right here, right now on earth, and someday in glory. 
And that's the answer, with love. On the Sunday between Juneteenth on one hand and July 4th on the other hand, except to say, thank God for close relationships, thank God for good friends, new and old, and thank God for the body of Christ here at St. Andrew. Amen.